The Gravity Business by James E. Gunn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Vern Seward. The flivver descended vertically towards the green planet circling an old orange sun. It was a spaceship, but not the kind the men had once dreamed about. The flivver was shaped like a crude bullet, blunt at one end of a fat cylinder and tapering abruptly to a point at the other. It had been slapped together out of sheet metal and insulation board, and it sold, fully equipped, for $15,730. It didn't behave like a spaceship either. As it hurtled down, its speed increased with dramatic swiftness. Then at the last instant before impact, it stopped. Just like that. A moment later, it thumped the last few inches into ankle-deep grass and knee-high white flowers of the meadow. It was a shock of a jar that made the sheet metal walls boom like thunder machines. The flivver rocked unsteadily on its flat stern before it decided to stay upright. Then, all was quiet. Outside. Inside the big central cabin. Grandpa waved his perkit irately in the air. Now look what you made me do. <sighs> Just when I had the blame thing practically whipped, too. Grandpa was a white-haired 90-year-old who could still go a fast round or two with a man or woman half his age. But he had a habit of lapsing into tantrums when he got annoyed. Now, Grandpa, Fred soothed, but his face was concerned. Fred, once called Young Fred, was Grandpa's only son. He was 60, and his hair had begun to gray at the temples. That landing was pretty rough, Junior. Junior was Fred's only son, because he was 35 and capable of exercising adult judgment, and because he had the youngest adult reflexes. He sat in a pilot's chair, the control stick between his knees, his thumb still over the on-off button on the top. I know it, Fred, he said, frowning. This world fooled me. It has a diameter less than that of Mercury, and yet it has the gravitational pull as great as Earth. Grandpa started to say something, but an eight-year-old boy looked up from the navigator's table beside the big computer and said, Well, gosh, Junior, that's why we picked this planet. We fed all the orbital data into Abacus, and Abacus said that the orbital perturbations indicated that the second planet was unusually heavy for its size. Then Fred said, That looks like heavy metals. And you said, maybe uranium. That's enough for, Junior interrupted. Never mind what I said. Those were the Peppergrass men, four generations of them, looking remarkably alike, although some vital elements seemed to have dwindled until four looked pale and thin-faced and wizened. Now four, Reba said automatically. Don't call your father Junior. It sounds disrespectful. Reba was four's mother and Junior's wife. On her own, she was a red-haired beauty with the loveliest figure this side of Antares. That Junior had won her was, to Grandpa, the most hopeful thing he had ever noticed about the boy. But everybody calls Junior Junior, Ford complained. Besides, Fred is Junior's father and Junior calls him Fred. That's different, Reba said. Grandpa was still waving his puzzle circuit indignantly. See? The puzzle circuit was a flat box equipped with push buttons and 13 slender openings in the top. One of the openings was lighted. That landing made me push the wrong button, and that dead blasted thing beat me again. Stop picking on Junior, Joyce said sharply. She was Junior's mother and Fred's wife, 
still slim and handsome as she approached sixty, but somehow ice water had replaced the warm blood in her veins. I'm sure he did the best he could. Anybody who talks about gravitational pull, Grandpa said, snorting, deserves anything anybody could say about him. There's no such thing, Junior. You ought to know by now that gravitation is the effect of the curving of space-time around matter. Einstein proved that 200 years ago. Go back to your games, Grandpa, Fred said impatiently. We've got work to do. Grandpa knitted his bushy white eyebrows and petulantly pushed the last button on his perkit. The last light went out. You've got work to do, have you? Whose flivver do you think this is, anyhow? It belongs to all of us, Four said shrilly. He gave us all a sixth share. Oh, that's right, Four, Grandpa muttered. So I did. But whose money bought it? You, Grandpa, Fred said. That's right. And who invented the gravity polarizer and the space flivver, eh? Who made it possible this gallivanting all over space? You, Grandpa, Fred said. You bet. And who made $100 million out of it that the rest of you vultures are just hanging around to gobble up when I die? And who spent it all trying to invent perpetual motion machines and longevity pills, Joyce said bitterly, and fixed it so that we have to go searching for uranium on habitable worlds all through this deadly galaxy? You, Grandpa. Well, now, Grandpa said, protesting, I've got a little put away yet. You'll be sorry when I'm dead and gone. You're never going to die, Grandpa, Joyce said harshly. Just before we left, we bought a hundred-year contract with that Life Begins at 90 longevity company. Well, now, said Grandpa, blinking. How'd you find out about that? Well, now. In confusion, he turned back to the perkit and jabbed a button. Thirteen slim lights sprang on. I'll get you this time. Four stretched and stood up. He looked curiously into the corner by the computer where Grandpa's chair stood. You bought that perkit from Earth, didn't you? What's the game? Grandpa looked up, obviously relieved to drop this act of intense concentration. Well, I'll tell you, boy. You play against the perkit, taking turns, and you can put out one, two, or three lights. The player who makes the other turn out the last light is the winner. That's simple, Forrest said without hesitation. The winning strategy is to... Don't be a kibitzer, Grandpa snapped. When I need your help, I'll ask for it. No dag-blamed machine's gonna outthink Grandpa, he snorted indignantly. Four shrugged his narrow shoulders and wandered to the view screen. Within it was the green horizon, curving noticeably. Four angled the picture towards the ship, sweeping through green peaceful woodland and plain and blue lake until he stared down at the meadow at the flivver's stern. Look, he said suddenly, this planet not only has flora, it has fauna. He rushed to the airlock. Four, Reba called out warningly. It's all right, Reba. Four assured her, the air is within 1% Earth normal, and the bioanalyzer can find no microorganisms viable within the Terran spectrum. What about microorganisms? Reba began, but the boy was gone already. Reba's face was troubled. That boy, she said to Junior. Sometimes I think we made a terrible mistake with him. He should have friends, playmates. He's more like an old man than a boy. But Junior nodded meaningfully at Fred and disappeared into the chart room. Fred followed casually. Then, as the door slid shut behind him, he asked impatiently, Well, what's all the mystery? No use bothering the others yet, Junior said, his face puzzled. You see, I didn't let the flivver drop those last few inches. The polarizer quit. Quit? That's not the worst. I tried to take it up again. The flivver, it won't budge. 
the thing was a featureless blob a two-foot sphere of raspberry gelatin but it was alive it rocked back and forth in front of four it opened a raspberry-colored pseudomouth and said plaintively fweep fweep joyce drew her chair further back towards the wall revulsion on her face four get that nasty thing out of here you mean fweep four asked in astonishment i mean that thing whatever you call it joyce fluttered her hand impatiently get it out four's eyes widened further but fweep's my friend nonsense joyce said sharply earthmen don't make friends with aliens and that's nothing but a a blob fweep queried the raspberry lips fweep if it's four's friend reba said firmly it can stay if you don't like it around grammy you can always go to your own room joyce stood indignantly well and don't call me grammy it makes me sound as old as that goat over there she glared malignantly at grandpa if you'd rather have that blob than me well she swept grandly out of the central cabin and into one of the private rooms that opened out from it fweep asked the blob sure fora said go ahead fweep i mean sweep swiftly the sphere rolled across the floor behind it it left a narrow path of sparkling clean tile grandpa glanced warily at joyce's door to make sure it was completely closed then he cocked a white eyebrow at reba good for you reba he said admiringly forty years now i've wanted to do that never had the nerve why thanks grandpa reba said surprised i like you gal never forget it i like you too grandpa if you had been a few years younger junior would have had some competition you bet he would grandpa leaned back and cackled then he leaned over confidentially towards reba and whispered beats me why you ever married a jerk like junior anyhow reba looked thoughtfully at the airlock door maybe i saw something in him that nobody else saw the man he might become he's been submerged in his family too long he's still a child to all of you and to himself reba smiled at grandpa brilliantly and maybe i thought he might grow into a man like his grandfather grandpa turned red and looked quickly toward four the boy was staring intently at fweep what you doing four trying to figure out what fweep does with the sweepings four said absently the outer inch or two of his body gets cloudy then slowly clears i think i'll try him with a bigger particle that's the ideal four you'll be a peppergrass yet how about building me a perkit you get the other one figured out it was easy grandpa said breezily once you understood the principle the player who moves second can always win if he uses the right strategy dividing the thirteen lights in three sections of four each that's right four agreed i can make you a new one by cannibalizing the other perkit but i'll need a few extra parts grandpa pushed the wall beside his chair and a drawer slid out of it inside were row after row of nipple-topped flat-sided flexible free-fall bottles and a battered cigar box thought you'd say that he said picking out the box help yourself with the other hand he lifted out one of the bottles and took a long drag on it ah he sighed wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and carefully put the bottle away what's that stuff you drink grandpa four asked tonic boy keeps me young and frisky now about that perkit did you ever work on the niccolo tartangula's puzzle about the three lovely brides the three jealous husbands the river and the two passenger rowboat yep grandpa said too easy four thought for a moment there's a modern variation with three missionaries and three cannibals same river same rowboat and only one of the cannibals can row if the cannibals outnumber the missionaries sounds good boy grandpa said eagerly 
Whip it up for me. Okay, Grandpa. Ford looked at Fweep again. The translucent sphere had paused at Grandpa's feet. Grandpa reached down to pat it. For an instant, his hand disappeared into Fweep, and then the alien creature rolled away. This time, its path seemed crooked. Its gelatinous form jiggled. Yeah, it said. As if in response, the flivver vibrated. Grandpa looked querulously at the airlock. Flivver shouldn't shake like that. Not with the polarizer on. The airlock door swung inward. Through the oval doorway walked Fred, followed closely by Junior. They were sweat-stained and weary, scintillation counters dangling heavily from their belts. Any luck? Reba asked brightly. Do we look it? Junior grumbled. Where's Joyce? Fred asked. Might as well get everybody in on this at once. Joyce! The door to his wife's room opened instantly. Behind it, Joyce was regal and slim. The pose was spoiled immediately by her avid question. Any uranium? Radium? Thorium? No, Fred said slowly, and no other heavy metals either. There's a few low-grade iron deposits, and that's it. Then what makes this planet so heavy? Reba asked. Junior shrugged helplessly and collapsed into a chair. Your guess is as good as anybody's. Then we've wasted another week on this worthless rock, Joyce complained. She turned savagely on Fred. This was going to make us all filthy rich. We were going to find radioactives and retire to Earth like billionaires. And all we've done is spent a year of our lives in this cramped old flivver, and we don't have many of them to spare. She glared venomously at Grandpa. We've got Fweepland, Ford said solemnly. Fweepland, Reba repeated. This planet. It's not big, but it's fertile, and it's harmless. As real estate, it's worth almost as much as solid uranium. A good thing, too, Junior said glumly. Because this looks like the end of our search. Short of a miracle, we'll spend the rest of our lives right here. Involuntary columnist. Joyce spun on him. You're joking, she screeched. I wish I were, Junior said. But the polarizer won't work. Either it's broken or there's something about the gravity around here that just won't polarize. It's these 23 models, Grandpa put in disgustedly. They never were any good. The land of Fweep turned slowly on its axis. The orange sun set and rose again and stared down once more on the meadow where the improbable spaceship rested on its improbable stern. The sixteen Earth hours that the rotation had taken had changed nothing inside the ship, either. Grandpa looked up from his perkit and said, If I were you, Junior, I'd take a good look at that TV repairman when we get back to Earth. Uh, if we get back to Earth, he amended. You can't be Forrest's father. All over the universe, gravity's the same. And if it's gravity, the polarizer will polarize it. That's just supposition, Junior said stubbornly. The fact is, it isn't because it doesn't. Q-E-D. Maybe the polarizer's broken, Fred suggested. Grandpa snorted. Broken smoking. Nothing to break, young Fred. Just a few coils of wire, and they're all right. We checked. We know the power plant's working. The lights are on. The air and water recirculation systems are going. The food resynthesizer is okay. And anyway, the polarizer could work from storage batteries if it had to. Well, then it goes deeper, Junior insisted. It goes right to the principle of polarization itself. For some reason, it doesn't work here. Why? Before we can discover the answer to that, we'll have to know more about polarization itself. How does it work, Grandpa? Grandpa gave him a sarcastic grin. Now you're curious, eh? Couldn't be bothered with Grandpa's inventions before. Oh, no. Too busy. 
except without questions, the blessings that the good Lord provideth. Let's not get on any pulpits, Fred growled. Come on, Grandpa. What's the theory behind polarization? Grandpa looked at the four faces staring at him hopefully, and the jeering grin turned into a smile. Well, he said, at last. You know how light's polarized, eh? The smile faded. No, I guess you don't. He cleared his throat professorially. Well, now, in ordinary light, the vibrations are perpendicular to the ray in all directions. When light is polarized by passing through crystals or by reflection or refraction at non-metallic surfaces, the path of the vibrations are still perpendicular to the ray, but they're in straight lines, circles, or ellipses. The faces were still blank and unillumined. Gravity is similar to light, he pressed on. In the absence of matter, gravity is non-polarized. Matter polarizes gravity in a circle around itself. That's how we've always known it until invention of spaceships and later the polarizer. The polarizer polarizes gravity into a straight line. That makes the ship take off and continue accelerating until the polarizer is shut off or the angle is shifted. The faces looked at him silently. Finally, Joyce could endure it no longer. That's just nonsense. We all know it. Grandpa's no genius. He's just a tinkerer. One day he happened to tinker out the polarizer. He doesn't know how it works any more than I do. Now wait a minute, Grandpa protested. That's not fair. Maybe I didn't figure out the theory myself, but I read everything the scientists ever wrote about it. Wanted to know what made the blame thing work. What I told you is what the scientists said, near as I can remember. Now me, I'm like Edison. I do it and let everybody else worry over why. The only thing you ever did was the polarizer, Joyce snapped. And then you spent everything you got from it on those full perpetual motion machines and those crazy longevity schemes when any moron would know that they were impossible. Grandpa squinted at her sagely. That's what they said about the gravity polarizer before I invented it. But you don't really know how it works, Junior persisted. Well, no, Grandpa admitted. Actually, I was just fiddling around with some coils when one of them took off. Went right through the ceiling, dragging a battery behind it. I guess it's still going. I ought to be out near the Horseshoe Nebula by now. Luckily, I remember how I wound it. Why won't the ship work then, if you know so much? Joyce demanded, ironically. Well, now, Grandpa said in bafflement, it rightly should, you know. We're stuck, Reba said softly. We may as well admit it. All we can do is set the transmitter to send out an automatic distress call. Which, Joyce interrupted, might get picked up in a few centuries and make the best of what we got, Reba went on, unheeding. If we look at it the right way, it's quite a lot. A beautiful, fertile world, earth gravity, the flivver. Even if the polarizer won't work, there's the resynthesizer. It will keep us in food and clothes for years. By then, we should have a good-sized community built up, because out here, we won't have to stop with one child. We can have all the babies we want. You know the law. One child per couple, Joyce reminded her frigidly. You can condemn yourself to exile from civilization if you wish. Not me. Junior frowned at his wife. I believe you're actually glad it happened. I could think of worse things, Reba said. I like your spunk, Reeb, Grandpa muttered. Speaking of children, Junior said, where's Four? Here! Four came through the airlock and trudged across the room, carrying a curious contraption made of tripod legs, supporting a small box from which dangled a plumb bob. 
behind four, like a round raspberry shadow, rolled Fweep. Fweep? It queried hopefully. Not now, said four. Where have you been? Reba asked anxiously. What have you been doing? I've been all over Freepland, four said wearily, trying to locate its center of gravity. Well, Fred prompted. It shifts. That's impossible, Junior said. Not for Fweep, four replied. What do you mean by that? Joyce suspiciously asked. It shifted, Four explained patiently, because Fweep kept following me. Fweep? Junior repeated stupidly. Fweep? Fweep said eagerly. He's why the flivver won't work. What Grandpa invented was a linear polarizer. Fweep is a circular polarizer. He's what makes this planet so heavy. He's why we can't leave. The land of Fweep rotated once on its axis and Grandpa lowered a nippled bottle from his lips. He sighed. I got it figured out for, he said, holding out the perkit proudly. A missionary takes over a non-rowing type cannibal, leaves him there, then a rowing cannibal takes over another cannibal and leaves him there and... Not now, Grandpa, Forrest said inattentively as he watched Fweep making the grand tour of the cabin. The raspberry sphere swept over a scattering of crumbs, engulfed them, absorbed them. Four looked at Joyce. Joyce was watching Fweep, too. Rat poison? Four asked. Joyce started guiltily. How did you know? There's no use trying to poison Fweep, Four said calmly. He's got no enzymes to act on, no nervous system to paralyze. He doesn't even use what he eats on a molecular level at all. What level does he use? Junior wanted to know. Point the scintillation counter at him. Junior dug one of the counters out of the supply cabinet and aimed the pickup at Fweep. The counter began to hum. As Fweep approached, the hum rose in pitch. As it passed, the hum dropped. Junior looked at the counter's dial. He's radioactive, all right. Not much, but enough. But where does he get the radioactive material? He uses ordinary matter, Forrest said. He must have used up a few deposits of natural radioactives a long time ago. He uses ordinary substances on an atomic level, Junior said unbelievingly. Ford nodded. And that skin of his, whatever it is he uses for skin, is more efficient at stopping particle emissions than several feet of lead. Fred studied Fweep thoughtfully. Maybe we can feed him enough enriched uranium from the pile to put him over the critical mass. And blow him up? I don't think that's possible. But even if it were, it might be a trifle more disastrous for us. Four giggled at the thought. Joyce glared at him furiously. Four, act to your age. We've got to do something with him. It's preposterous that we should be detained here at the whim of a mere blob. I don't figure it's whim, Grandpa said. Circular gravity is what he's got for one reason or another, so he just naturally bends space-time continuum around him. Conscious or subconscious? I don't know. But protoplasm is always more efficient than machines, so the flivver won't move. I don't care why that thing does it, Joyce said icily. I want it to stop, and the sooner the better. If it won't turn the gravity off, we'll just have to do away with it. How? Four asked. Fweep's skin is pretty close to impervious, and you can't shoot him, stab him, or poison him. He doesn't breathe, so you can't drown or strangle him. You can't imprison him. He eats everything. And violence might just be more dangerous to us than to him. Right now, Fweep is friendly. But suppose he got mad. He could lower his radioactive shield, or he might increase the gravity a few times. Either way, you'd feel rather uncomfortable, Grammy. Don't call me Grammy. Well, what are we going to do? Just sit around and wait for that thing to die? We'd have a long wait, Four observed. 
Fweep is the only one of his kind on this planet. Well? He's probably immortal. And he doesn't reproduce, Reba asks sympathetically. Probably not. If he doesn't die, there's no point in reproducing. Reproduction is nature's way of providing racial immortality for mortal creatures. But he must have some way of reproduction, Reba argued. An egg or something. He couldn't just have sprung into being as he is now. Maybe he just developed, Four offered. It seems to me that he's bigger than when we first landed. He must have been here a long, long time, Fred said. Fweepland, as Four calls it, kept his atmosphere in its water, which a planet this size ordinarily would have lost by now. Reba looked at Fweep kindly. We can thank the little fella for that anyway. I thank him for nothing, Joyce snapped. He lured us down here by making us think this planet had heavy metals, and I want him to let us go immediately. Fred turned to his wife impatiently. Well, try making him understand. And if you can make him understand what you want him to do, try making him do it. Joyce looked at Fred with startled eyes. Fred, she said in a high, shocked voice, and turned blindly toward her room. Grandpa lowered his bottle and smacked his lips. Well, boy, he said to Fred. I thought you'd never do that. I didn't think you had it in you. Fred stood up apologetically. I'd better go calm her down, he muttered and walked quickly after Joyce. Give her one for me, Grandpa called. Fred's shoulders twitched as the door closed behind him. From the room came the filtered sound of high-pitched voices rising and falling like some reedy folk music. Makes you think, doesn't it? Grandpa said, looking at Fweep benignly. Maybe this whole theory of gravitation is cockeyed. Maybe there's a Fweep for every planet and sun, big and little, polarizing the gravity in circles. And the matter business is not a cause, but a result. What I can't understand, Junior said thoughtfully, is why the polarizer worked for a little while when we landed. Long enough to keep us from being squashed. Then it quit. Fweep didn't recognize it immediately. Didn't know what it was or where it came from, Four explained. All he knew was he didn't like linear polarization, and he neutralized it as soon as he could. That's when we dropped. Linear polarization is uncomfortable for him, is it? Grandpa said. Makes you wonder how something like Fweep could ever develop. He's no more improbable than people, said Four. Mm, less than some I've known, Grandpa conceded. If he can eat anything, Reba said. Why does he keep sweeping the cabin for dust and lint? He wants to be helpful, Four replied without hesitation. And he's lonely. After all, he added wistfully, he's never had any friends. How do you know all these things? Joyce asked from her doorway, excitement in her voice. Can you talk to it? Behind her, Fred said, now Joyce, you promised. But this is important. Joyce cut him off eagerly. Can you talk to it, I mean? Some... Four admitted. Have you asked it to let us go? Yes. Well, what did it say? He said he didn't want his friend to leave him. At the word, Fweep rolled swiftly across the floor and bounced into Four's lap. It nestled against him lovingly and opened raspberry lips. Friend, it said. Well now, Grandpa said maliciously, his eye on Joyce. That's no problem. We can just leave Four here with Fweep. In a voice filled with sanctimonious concern, Joyce said, That's quite a sacrifice to ask, but... Joyce! Reba cried, horrified. Grandpa was joking, but you actually meant it. Four is only a baby, and yet you let him... Never mind, Reba, Four said evenly. It was just what I was going to suggest myself. It's the one really logical solution. Friend! said Fweep gently. The land of Fweep turned like a fat old man toasting himself in front of an open fire. 
and junior sat at the computer's keyboard swearing in steady monotone junior said joyce shocked junior swung around impatiently sorry mother but this damn thing won't work i'm sure calling it names won't help and besides you shouldn't expect the machine to do something we can't do and if it did work it would only say that the logical answer is the one that i said mother junior warned we decided not to talk about it anymore for strange enough without encouraging him to think like a martyr it's out of the question if that's the only way we can leave this planet then we'll stay here until four has a beard as white as grandpa's well joyce said in a stiff offended tone and sat back in her chair grandpa lowered the nipple bottle from his lips and cordled junior i apologize for all the mean things i ever said about you maybe you got the makings of a peppergrass yet junior turned back to the keyboard and studied it his chin in his hand it's just a matter of stating the problem in the terms the computer can work on i'll take it all back grandpa said that computer won't help you with this problem junior it ain't a long complicated calculation it's a simple problem in logic it's a perfect problem like the one about the cannibals and the missionaries we can't leave wheat land because wheat won't let our polarizer work he won't let our polarizer work because he doesn't like the gravity that's polarized in a straight line and he don't want four to leave him now wheat ain't the brightest creature in the universe so he can't understand why we're so gosh fired eager to leave and as long as he's got four he's happy why should he make himself unhappy as a favorite of four he'd let us leave if we leave four here with him which we ain't gonna do that's the problem all we gotta do is figure out the answer no use making a perkit because a puzzle circuit is just a miniature computer with a solution built in if you can build the perkit you've already solved the problem and if you can state the problem to abacus you've already got the answer all you want from it then is decimal points that may be junior said stubbornly but i still want to know why this computer won't work it won't even do simple arithmetic where is four he's the only one who can understand this thing he's outside playing in the meadow with Fweep, reba said her voice soft no here they come now through the airlock came four carrying Fweep on his shoulder like a raspberry cat without head or tail four's thin face glowed with exertion and glistened with sweat already the orange sun had begun to paint his skin tan we've been playing dodgeball ford panted Fweep was the ball and i had to dodge him there's something wrong with this computer junior complained take a look at it sure daddy four said promptly and he took his father's place at the keyboard after a few moments he began to frown then detached the front panel and started sorting through the maze of wires and electronic components grandpa watched him with a wary eye joyce was unable to restrain herself any longer the way you people talk a person would think we were never going to leave this godforsaken miserable uncivilized planet that seems to be the general idea grandpa chuckled enjoying her dismay unless we can build a reaction rocket ship to push us out of Fweep's range fred said glumly we've got iron ore junior put in eagerly grandpa snorted come on use your brains you'd have to build a ship these flivers weren't built for the stresses of reaction flight by the time you solved all the problems of motors and alloys and rocket tube linings fuel ship construction personnel protection and all the rest of it this planet would be another detroit and your great 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 grandchildren would be living in it you couldn't build a blast furnace even if you had the pleat congressional microfilm library you do better to figure out how Fweep does what he does and doing something practicing on that well junior said peevishly trying to get away is better than sitting here and talking about it 
Reba stared thoughtfully at Junior and said, Maybe Fweep would go with us. Yes, Joyce said excitedly. Maybe that dear little thing will go with us. That would solve everything. Without looking around, Forrest said, I asked him already. Fweep's afraid to come along. I'm sure we would be very good to him, Joyce said swiftly. I've always liked pets. Why, I once had a goldfish of my very own. Which you let die, Fred said dryly, because you forgot to feed it. Oh, he's not afraid of people, Ford told them. He's afraid of space and unpolarized gravity and things like that. He's lived there all his life. That's a long time. And it makes him feel awfully funny just to think about leaving. He said he can still remember the way our linear gravitation felt inside when we landed. Well, Joyce said firmly, he'll just have to fight it, that's all. If a person let that kind of neurotic impulse rule his life, he'll be completely demoralized in no time. Four glanced over his shoulder at Joyce to see if she were joking. Shaking his head, he returned to the computer's innards. A moment later, he swung around and stared accusingly at Grandpa. You've cannibalized Abacus. Well now, Grandpa protested, licking his lips nervously. You see, I... That's where you got the parts for the perkit, Forrest said with merciless logic. Joyce stood up virtuously and shook her finger at Grandpa. First you entice us out here in this nasty old flivver, and then you get us stuck, and now you've ruined the computer for your nasty old games. Well, now, Grandpa blustered, the gold urn thing wouldn't work, would it? We didn't need it, not with four around. He figures everything out in his head, and we just use Abacus to sort of check him. Ain't that right now? Five pairs of eyes stared at him in silence. Well, now, Grandpa said defensively, I got it all worked out anyhow. We can leave here any time we get ready. The land of Fweep turned and grew small in the view screen, and Junior sat at the pilot's chair, his hand on the control stick, his eyes fixed on the moving dials in front of him. There were three others in the room. Reba, who looked at the dwindling Fweep land and sighed. Joyce, who sat tauntly in her chair, her face fixed and unbelieving. And Fred, who looked down at Joyce and shook his head. Grandpa opened the door to his room and stepped cockily into the central cabin, shutting the door behind him. Well, he demanded confidently, are we heading Earth? Junior gestured toward the screen. If Forrest's coordinates are right. Speaking of coordinates, Grandpa said briskly, make sure you got the coordinates of Fweepland. It'll take a long time for that atmosphere to dissipate. Nice little world like that is worth its weight in uranium to a good real estate salesman. How did you do it? Joyce challenged. Grandpa slapped her familiarly on the shoulder. A problem of gravity, he said gaily, but a simple one. Nothing for an old Perkett man like me. I guess you folks won't laugh at Grandpa and his Perkett's anymore. Not only did Grandpa get you out of Wheatland, but he's taking you back with a valuable little subdivision in the third quadrant to file on. I hate to spoil the party, Fred said, but have you thought about what you're going to do with Fweep? Fweep, Grandpa repeated, puzzled. Why should I do anything about Fweep? We can't take him back to Earth with us. Why not? Grandpa demanded. In the first place, the Immigration Authority would have to pass him. That might take years with Fweep's powers and ability. More important, if Fweep got loose on Earth, every flivver would have the same problem we had here. And the next time, Fweep might not be so cooperative. I don't know what you did to Fweep in there, but if he's still alive, the IA isn't going to take a chance. Grandpa considered the prospect without dismay. I wonder if we could smuggle him in. If all those flivvers not working, they'd have to pay us before they could take off. Grandpa, 
Fred said sternly. That would be blackmail, or worse. Besides getting into trouble with the IA, you'd get it from the WBI and the ICC. Grandpa waved his hand impatiently. We'll solve that problem when we come to it. After all, an old perky man like me. What did you do at Fweep? Joyce repeated. Grandpa cleared his throat with pride. Well, now, I'll tell you. Just happened to notice that Fweep liked my tonic. Every time I took a little nip, the little beast was around my chair, trying to clean my hand for me. Tonic? Joyce sniffed. Liquor, you mean? Now, that's not right, Grandpa objected. I said tonic, and I mean tonic. Got a little alcohol in it for preservative, maybe, but the important part is the minerals. That's the Longevity Institute's secret. It's what keeps me young. Want a little nip? He leered at Joyce. You mean you got Fweep drunk? Fred exclaimed. Well, now, that was the effect, but I can't swear it was the alcohol. Not unless Fweep can use the stuff on a molecular level if he wants. On the other hand, maybe it was the minerals in there that affected him. Little world like Fweepland, maybe it lacks a few things when it was made. But the way I look at it, it stood to reason the little fella could use a drink. All alone all these centuries, he must have got pretty dry. But whatever it was, he sure got high. Lost all control. Poor Fweep, Reba murmured. Poor nothing, Grandpa said. He was the happiest little critter I ever saw. When Four explained to him just what we wanted, he went right to work on that bottle, and Gramps' door swung open once more. Grandpa, Grandpa, Forrest shouted. Fweep, he, I mean, well, we've been calling him by the wrong pronoun. Look. Four came running out of the room. Behind him rolled a tiny raspberry sphere about the size of a marble. Occasionally, it hopped in the air and said, Fweep, in a small, high voice. Behind it rolled and hopped a second raspberry marble. Fweep, it said. Behind it came another and another until the cabin was full of them, rolling and bouncing and calling, Fweep! Dazily, Junior counted them. One hundred and one, one hundred and two, one hundred and... Oh, Junior, Reba said, hugging him excitedly. Aren't they cute? What happened? Grandpa asked, as dazed as Junior. Maybe it was the tonic, Forrest said. But I suspect it was the unpolarized gravity. All of a sudden, Fweep started splitting like an amoeba, over and over. Do you suppose that was what made him nervous? That's the way the little fella reproduces, all right, said Grandpa. I wonder if he has to wait until the race becomes civilized enough to discover the polarizer, eh? <gasps> Gasped Joyce, brushing a Fweep out of her lap. Grandpa looked at the cabin and its occupants happily. I'd like to remind you, Fred said gravely, this multiplies our problem of what to do with Fweep over a hundred times. What problem? asked Grandpa. The only problem we got is how we're going to spend all the cash. We're in business, the gravity business. We'll call it Gravity Incorporated, and we can reclaim every little hunk of rock in the solar system. Each one of these little fellas is worth a fortune. We'll give the satellites and asteroids Earth normal gravities and atmospheres, and by golly, we're rich. Rich? Joyce echoed. A smile slowly replaced the expression of distaste. She snapped her fingers. Here, Fweepy, she said in her most enticing tone. Here, little darlings, come to dear Joyce. But they had all hopped to four and were clustered around him like a raspberry bubble bath. Through them, his face peered, thin and happy. Grandpa looked at Reba. She was hugging Junior happily and smiling at four. Grandpa looked back at the boy. We'll have to be exclusive, though, Grandpa said. Considering the Fweep's likes and dislikes, that is... We'll sell them only to people with children. 
end of The Gravity Business by James E. Gunn. Recording by Vern Seward.